Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Good evening and welcome everybody to another edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. This is John Clore. I'm the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance. And my co-host tonight is none other than Mike Ray, the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. Mike, we've got another special podcast for everybody tonight on the Ford Performance version of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I can't wait. Yep, another good treat with another great guest. Well, Mike, you know, uh, we always talk about uh, people who can bring new perspective to our wonderful hobby. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a guest that can go back and uh, kind of dial us into why we have so many wonderful different car shows and specialty Mustang groups, specialty groups of every kind of Ford, and how that all started. It did start somewhere, and uh, the guy who's going to bring that to us actually started his own little revolution, uh, and he started a club, a registry, and then became the, the world's most renowned expert on something we all know and love, the Mustang California Special, and when I say that, you know I'm talking about Paul knew it. Paul, welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast, and thanks for joining us from out there in California. Well, uh, thank you for having me. This is going to be great fun. Well, Paul, I know you and I talk a lot about the hobby, you know, um, being authors and uh, people who I think, hey, wait a minute. Tonight, on tonight's call, ladies and gentlemen, you're talking, there's three people talking who are three Iacocca Award winners. That's right. Mike Ray, John Clore. And Paul knew it. We, yeah. uh, I guess we got that because we're so glued to this wonderful Mustang hobby. And Paul, that's what we really want to get into tonight. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's not the same hobby it was back when you got into Mustangs. But the reason why we wanted to talk to you especially is because you didn't just start a registry about California specials. You're from California. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah. If anybody should know about starting car love and about a California special, it should be a guy who is in California. Can you tell us a little bit about how in the heck did you get involved in the Mustang hobby living out there in California? And I thought you were working with Disney and you were going to be some, some, you're an artist already. You're already a yeah. graphics artist and a creator, but how did yeah. you get into cars? You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a little town like a Mayberry town named Dixon and um, in Northern California near Sacramento. And um, on the street we lived, my next door neighbor was a Ford dealer. And um, when I was a kid playing ball in the street in the 60s, uh, the dad that ran the dealership was Ron Duprat. Um, he would drive home a brand new Ford like every September, October, and we'd stop playing ball in the street, go check out the car. Well, when I was about 13, he drove home a dark green um, California Special, and I was just dumbfounded about it. And I thought, well, it's not a Shelby. It's not a Mustang. What are they doing here? And I was just <laughs> curious about it. And I remember looking out my window of my bedroom at it out in the street, parked there uh, for a couple nights. And, you know, it just it stuck with me ever since I was like 13. So, I, you know, I, I couldn't avoid it. Um, so that's... <laughs> kind of what you know I grew up with um and then in 1974 um my dad said you can get a car for $1,500 and I looked in the Sacramento Bee and here's this this maroon cow special for sale 
Um, we went out and looked at it, and um, I fell in love with it. And um, it only had 40,000 miles on it. <laughs> and we got it for 1500 They used the money to pay off their 73 Torino. And um, <laughs> Is and that so the same I, burgundy, dark burgundy California special we've seen you in so many pictures with that oh, you had a torrid oh, yeah. lifelong you had a torrid lifelong yeah. love affair with that car? Absolutely. It was the love of my life. The irony was I had to sell it to pay to print my book. Um, yeah. And, but I yeah. put 400,000 miles on it. And um, I pulled the motor out of it twice. See, Mike, Mike, we, I kept telling Mike when he kept inviting you to come to Detroit to the Mustang Memory Show behind World Headquarters and spread some of that California sunshine over our hobby over here. Um, he, you know, he thought, well, Mike, uh, you know, isn't isn't Paul? He's a he's a designer and he's a journalist, but you got your hands pretty greasy for a guy who writes and types on a keyboard. Oh yeah, I you know when you're a starving artist living in San Diego, you got to learn how to pull a Holly carburetor part all by yourself, and um, <laughs> you got to know if it's the accelerator pump or it's the throttle plate messed up, and and uh, you know you didn't get anywhere if you didn't do that. So yeah, I was I I was definitely hands on, and um, I pushed a 302 block um, into the ground at um, 220 thousand miles, and. Um, <laughs> For durability, it still wanted to start, but I pulled the Oh, yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. You and, know, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to brag, Paul, but when I used to rebuild my Hollies, I was so good at it. I had like 13 extra parts. I didn't know where they went. <laughs> well. And, and if it wasn't for Mike Ray, Mike, remember that guy at Roush that, um, I don't know, he worked in some back room, some back building there in Livonia. And they said, if you needed a Holly built, didn't you tell me to go to this one guy? Boy, could he build Holly? Is he still working there, Mike? I don't know if he still is or not. Um, he was still doing a little bit of work when I uh, left in 2018, so he might still be around. Back in the days when we there were carburetors. But but Paul, there there's a story, there's a backstory here. And and um, I, I guess for all those people who thought that Mustang always had all these special editions all of its life. You know, Mustang came out and it was a Mustang, but the the, the birth of that California special, and, and after you bought it, there was a reason you looked at it differently because it did look a little different than the stock Mustang. And knowing that you're a designer and an artist, there is something to be said, um, in fact, a lot to be said about the beauty and the purity and the the grace of a great design and, and great additions to the styling of a car. And I think I think that's why you fell in that California special, that first one, or am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm a big fan of um, Ford dream cars from the 50s and 60s, like uh, the Futura and, oh gosh, all the other cars that they did at that time. I used to go to the Sacramento Autorama and see all the new stuff they had. And um, But uh, yeah, the, the ducktail spoiler on a coupe was really sharp because the roof line Oh, the 67.8 Mustang is right from the the Lincoln Mark IV, or right. should say Mark III. I mean, mm -hmm. and um, and um, it, it's it was a combination of class and styling and performance, and it was a a formal performance car. And I, by, my God, I mean, I wish I had a nickel for every time I got a thumbs up or a look at my car on the freeway or um, driving around. I mean, I. I drove that car all over California because I lived in, um, you know, Dixon and Sacramento and the Bay Area and San Diego and Burbank you know, over all those years. And um, so I took the car everywhere. I even I even took 
Mike, how special out to where they were filming Return of the Jedi out in the desert near Yuma. <laughs> well, and it got... I, I know where that spot is. I know I've actually been there. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I have to tell you, Paul, um, that that brings up a really cool thing about Mustang history, and that is that you know the the relationship that Carol had with Ford Motor Company, and um, there was there are people in the Ford uh, regional office out there in, in in the LA area, I believe, who who just this dawned on them that these parts from Shelby's that um, maybe they would look good on a car and maybe what a crazy idea it is to try to do a special edition. I don't believe ever one was ever done a regional edition before that. How did that thing get sold to oh. Ford division? I mean, well, who, here we go. Who's responsible here. for that? <laughs> Paul, don't tell here me if Paul knew it. Um, okay, here we go. Here's the deal. Um, Lee Gray was the father of the California Special. He was the LA district sales manager for the whole you know, Los Angeles area for Ford um, from about 60, late 66 through, I think it was 1970. And he was quite a pioneer. He actually got an award for selling more Mustangs when he was in Ohio district than anybody else. He got a big fancy award. It was like a gold record. Um, he had great connections with Iacocca, Henry Ford II, all the top people. So he's out here in California and he's keeping an eye on everybody in the dealerships. And they asked him to keep an eye on Carroll Shelby. And so he went out there one time in, um, I guess it was August of 67. And he sees this little coupe called Little Red. And um, he was, he thought, you know, we could get some of these parts from Shelby and put them on coupes at dealers and in just a Southern California thing. And because um, customizing, you know, was real big in the 60s in LA. And so he thought, let's just get some parts and from Shelby and put them on coupes at dealers. And that would be it. Well, Carol throws the keys at him, <laughs> says, take it for a week, take it for a drive. So Lee drives all over. By the way, this is when it had a 428 with a Paxton supercharger. Oh, wow. Can you imagine that? I mean, oh, you could wow. smoke the tires in any gear, okay? In fact, <laughs> it was so powerful, it broke the tail housing on the C6, and they had to put a Lincoln tail housing on it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So this was speed of the pants engineering. This was the, this. you know, if, you, if you've seen Ford versus Ferrari, it's the same the same, you know, really gutsy, really cool, let's just do it, make it happen kind of attitude in California with Shelby. So this trickled down in Little Red, which, by the way, they found Little Red, and I'm in a documentary on YouTube called The Hunt for Little Red. We, uh, we know that. And, Mike, remember uh, when how, – how did you, Mike, get Little Red to – didn't you get it to Detroit when you talked to – who did you talk to get to get it to Memories, Mike? Yeah, it was unveiled uh, at Woodward Weekend and Mustang Memories um, a few years back. And uh, Craig Jackson and Kevin Marty actually came and brought the car. And That's right. um, Craig was actually in attendance with us and, you know, stood and took pictures and talked about Little Red to everybody in attendance. It was awesome. Yeah, and you're right. And, Paul, we grabbed one of those cards that they gave. They were numbered cards when they pushed Little Red for the – before. You, this is well before you got into the documentary – and, hung, and really helped Mr. Jackson get the really the correct research done on that car. And I still have, Mike and I are holding these cards hostage. 
Uh, I still saved some of those of those introductory night cards. I believe I saved you number 67 or number 68. Oh, cool. Very cool. So when you come to Mustang Memories, like Mike's been inviting you, how many years now, Mike? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, last couple into... years have been a little off, though. So. <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah, with the COVID year. Well... But so you, yes, Little Red, a lot of people have no idea that it, it played a role in making the California special what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the rest of the story. Um, so Lee Gray borrows a little red. He's driving around L.A. Uh, doing this and that. He People are stopping him and asking him, where do I get one? Uh, how do I find this car? Where do I get it at the Ford dealer? Blah, blah, blah. And um, he goes back. And then, by the way, there was a um, the annual Ford dealers meeting every year was at the Century Plaza Hotel in Beverly Hills. And um, that was a very famous place to have Ford. Uh, dealer meetings. By the way, you know, LA was the place uh, to go for four dealers. And Iacocca loved to go to LA and hobnob with people in Beverly Hills. It was a mm-hmm. big deal. So Lee Gray takes Little Red to the Ford dealer meeting. He corners Iacocca, says, I got something to show you. Iacocca says, I'll give you three minutes. So they walk <laughs> out to the parking lot at Century Plaza Hotel, and then Lee Gray says, Here it is. Um, this is Little Red. Uh, let's can we do something with this in production for Southern California? So Iacocca was so impressed he had the car airship to um, oh. you know those scenes where Shelby was loading uh, Cobras into DWA aircraft. Like, yeah. Little Red put it on a plane, sent it to Dearborn. They checked it all out. Ford Design says, "Oh, uh, let's do this as a national car instead." You mean they put that thing on a plane and shipped it to Dearborn? It's a it's a miracle that once it got to Ford, they somebody didn't break it. Paul, why would they do that? Why did they need to see it? It was such a revolutionary idea, design idea that, um, and it was something that Iacocca personally wanted to make happen. So um, he wanted it in the flesh to show uh, the design people at Ford, and and the reason behind this is, if I can digress a little, is there was a real I would say a real rift between, you know, Dearborn, uh, Ford, and uh, California. They had the attitude if it wasn't invented in Dearborn at Ford, it didn't exist. And California, you know, why do they get to have their own Mustang? In fact, that was told to Lee Gray in the hallway. And um, it got pretty hot uh, with the argument about it. Um, And... um, because Shelby Automotive was thinking about marketing, and no one has heard this yet. Shelby Automotive had considered marketing a Little Reds and Green Hornet cars as part of the lineup for 68. As an um, actual Shelby? A Shelby derivative? A Shelby Coupe with mm-hmm. a choice of uh, Paxton 428 or Conelix Steel Injection 428. Wow. Wow. And but oh, thank, God, uh, thank God Ford said, you know what, we'd, we'd really want to make it a national car. I, I don't know how that happened. Do you think Iacocca liked it so much he just said make it happen like he usually did? Yeah, he made it happen because he believed in regional uh, limited editions. And, you know, with Iacocca's history and off the Chrysler, he did all these special editions. He believed in that. He was the one behind the special editions at Ford. So so they said, okay, Cal- so Ford and Dearborn said, California, you can have your own Mustang. But you're on your own with your advertising, promotion, everything. And we'll build them at the San Jose plant. It's up to you to figure it out. 
So they go to build this San Jose plant and they come across these fiberglass pieces and the factory workers are saying, the managers are saying, uh, we're having problems with this because we've never put fiberglass on a production car in a Ford factory ever before. Mm-hmm. So they flew out some A.O. Smith guys to look at it, said, no, you're supposed to put the screws here, line this taillight panel here, blah, blah, blah. And they got it right. And they wanted Lee Gray to sign off on the quality. And Lee Gray said, you know, the heck with that. You guys figure it out, make it happen. So so they did. Um, so there was a lot of this revolutionary stuff going on. Um, with California doing it. Now, to finance the promotion of the Cal Special, they used money from the FDAF, which is the Ford Dealers Advertising Fund. Mm -hmm. And this was a California thing. And um, the dealers for Northern California had to approve it so it was sold through the whole state, not just um, Southern California. Right. So they made that happen. They got J. Walter Thompson on the West Coast from the San Francisco office to do all the advertising. They had Shelby build a one-off uh, Cal Special from parts at Shelby um, American to use in the, the TV commercial and the print advertising. And so this was a, a California thing. So what happened from all this a year or two later is uh, Lee Gray set up a California office for design and marketing. And everything you see or hear about California Fords and all that stuff since is because of the Cal Special project. Wow. I mean, what, people just don't realize the, the impact that that had. Well, I mean, not just on the hobby, but Paul, on you and on people who collected Mustangs throughout the late 60s and into the early 70s, people like the Mustang Club of America, because let's face it, there were the haves and have nots. The haves are the people that had the high-end Mustangs, the Boss 9s, the three Boss 302s, the, and, and the Shelbys. And then the have-nots were just regular guys with regular Mustangs. The the I think the attraction of a car like the California Special is that it's an affordable Mustang with all that cool look, and yet you know, the same 289, 302, small block Ford that everybody can work on and love and make it their own. I, I think there's some romance about not being a Shelby and not just being a plain Mustang. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And here's here's the key to the success of the Cal Special, even the late model cars. It represents the Mustang spirit in California. 20% of all Mustangs and T-Birds made in the 60s and 70s were sold in California. So we had a lot of clout out here to tell Ford and Dearborn, you've got to let us do our project. And Iacocca is with us, too. So it, it was. It, they, there was even conflict on the rear script in the back end of the car. Ford didn't want the script. They said it looked detrimental to the looks of the car. In right. fact, they wanted they wanted to wrap a stripe around the butt of the Cal Special like they had on um, Dodge, you know, Daytona NASCAR car, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. the, and the and the people at Ford, you know, I mean, the California dealers and the people on the project were like, no. We want our script. So it even got to the point at the factory where in January they built a bunch of cars without script. They all sat out in the parking lot. And uh, the, the California dealer said, look, no script, no car. So Ford says, okay, you can have your darn script, but you got two weeks to make it. So Gosh. ASCO Products in Burbank did an incredible job. Now, ASCO made all of Shelby Cobra emblems and Shelby, um, you know, Mustang emblems for for Carol um, from the very beginning. So they they had two weeks to knock out the California special script. They matched the Cougar style of the script. 
they made all the parts, all the specs, everything ready to go, produced them, chrome-plated them, got them to the Milpitas plant, and they put them on the January cars in the parking lot at the Milpitas plant. They put it on the parking lot. Well, you know, it's kind of cool because don't forget for design one, everything was block letters. Black Mustang was into block letters. And the, that script is really what set it, set it apart, Paul. That's exactly. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, it was well, so different. Fact, late, late model Cal Special owners, want to, they want to put that script on their cars. Sure. Well, that's, let's get into that because after this happened, two things happened. One is that, your absolute infatuation with this car created, um, I would say, a, a some kind of passion within you to not only to, to go out and find it and to find every one of them, try to be a, the registrar of the California Special and to, to create a sub club, a registry of California Special owners, and then to create the history of these cars. This is well before you wrote your book, Paul, because that's when I met you when you started fishing around for the late models. But I, more importantly, I think we should tell people that the California Special is really what launched that whole era of everybody else and their brother wanted something like the High Country Special, the Blue Bonnet Special. I mean, all those specials are because of the success of the California Special. And it goes to this day. Yes, yes, absolutely. In fact, as you know, the Mustang is the most accessorized and modified car ever produced. So within that context, that's why they had these limited editions. And um, then the dealers loved it because it, as they, as they say, it got iron out the door. So yeah, yeah. Um, this was, this is, here's the thing with the Cal special, this is rooted in marketing and it's not like let's do a favor and let's design a car that looks neat. No, we're doing this because we want to market this. And then one of the root reasons they did the Cal Special is because of the strike they had at Ford. And then I think it was between October, November of 67. Mm -hmm. And they had lost about 100,000 cars from what they did in 67. So to make up for it, they had to jumpstart something. They had to get something in the showrooms for people to come and look at stuff. And they put a lot of these Cal Specials right in the middle of the showroom to get people to come and look whether they bought it or not. So this was the driving force behind it. It was marketing. And um, so anyway, uh, meanwhile, another thing I wanted to mention is, is the reason I did the books. I did one in 88 and then 2011. Um, when I did this registry, I got up to 1,300 cars I found. There was a tremendous amount of research I found. I, I was able to nail the day they switched the rear reflectors on those cars because, wow. of the, of the, because <laughs> it was <laughs> – and I uh, – just the other day, I saw a guy in a 68 convertible next to me, and I said, hey, nice Mustang. I said, it's a January car, and he goes, how do you know that? I said, because <laughs> he got the old – Because I'm Paul Newitt. <laughs> because, well, I said, I wrote the Cal Special book. He goes, really? I said, you have a January car, don't you? And he goes, he goes oh, my God, how do you know that? I said, it's because you got rear reflectors, the old rear reflectors, and you still have your front bumper guards. Oh, because God. when they, we also discovered in the registry and the research, after the strike on all 68 Mustangs, they started to lose parts off the car to pay more money to the workers. Mm -hmm. So you'd see bumper guards from the front disappear and then the rear bumper guards and then the padding piece that went across the dash, you know, over the radio and the glove box that mm -hmm. went away. And then the pillar padding went away. So these pieces were disappearing because they didn't have the money for them. And they gave, you know, to, to balance out the uh, salaries of the, the workers. So, <laughs> oh so but I, I really want to emphasize on this most importantly. 
the heart and soul of these owners of these cars. This is pretty incredible. It's very emotional. And I've gotten tons of letters over the years from these owners saying they called it their little T-bird or, you know, the family would jump in it. There was a couple got married in theirs and they kept it since. I mean, it is very emotional. These people would restore these cars and take them to car shows. And then in the 80s, there'd be these car show judges don't even know what they are. What's this? Is this factory? No, this is customized. I got sick and tired of hearing that. I said, I'm going to do a book and set the record straight. So that's why. But I got to tell you, uh, Paul, when you were starting to research that book and the fact that the Ford was thinking of bringing back that storied nameplate and making a California special, uh, I might were you you may have been working on the Mustang brand team. Uh, when those were launching. And I, and I just remember uh, there was so much uh, angst because um, they, were, they wanted to get it right. Uh, and, it, and they really wanted it to be more than just a stripe. And, you know, that's why even today when you get with the California special, there's, there are parts and pieces that are unique to that car to give it that unique look. Mike, is that the same thing you used over there at Gorno Ford? Is that why you have like a a Roush or a Ford GT or a GT500 to the showroom. You just want some eye candy to get them in there. Like Paul talked about getting those California specials on the showroom floor. Yeah. They're nothing like performance, right? Carol Shelby said it, right? Performance is his business. And uh, that's how I look at it for myself. And um, Paul, speaking of all that though, we're talking about Mustang memories and all that other good stuff. I think I'm going to try to book you for next year, 2023, because that'll be the 55 year anniversary. Correct. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's do something big in Dearborn next year for 2023 and have you out there as one of our very special guests. That that would be fun. I think so. I think that, and boy, I have to side note on this, that, that California Special Worldwide Moaners Club, uh, that, that club's insane. They're now up to 3,400 members around the world. Wow. And, you know, Paul, that's because of your work. Is there a reason why you didn't want to maintain the registry, write the book and kind of stand back at the, on the sidelines and watch the hobby? And you kind of handed that over. Uh, was it, you were just so close to it and so in it. Was it, was it, was it just too much? Well, without, without saying too much about it, I don't want to, you know, get real negative about it. With anything you do that's intense, there's, you know, there's times when you hit burnout, you know, and then um, I had a few conflicts on the internet with some people and, you know, you don't have to look too far to any car club or stuff. You're going to have, oh geez, all kinds of clashes with members and people and politics and attitudes and and jealousies and all that. And, you know, because I was at the top of the heap on this whole thing, I was kind of a target there for a while. And so it got kind of ugly. And I said, I said, well, I'm just going to take a break from this and go do something else. And, um, but I tell you, uh, Steve at the worldwide club, we had a long phone call. He sure restored my faith in this and they are incredibly tremendous people in that group. Yes. I I was able to meet him out in Mesa. That group is so growing so fast, Paul. Um, and it's because of, they have the love of these specialty cars and, and they have, they embrace, um, anybody who's into the hobby for the same reason that you joined the hobby back when you were in the Mustang Club and you wanted your car, the California Special, to, to, to be correct and to have everybody appreciate what it was, especially people that don't know what it was. And your contribution, I, I think, not, not just because you won an iCoke Award, it was your passion. I want everybody out there to know that if you read me in the Mustang Times, 
of the Ford Performance Corner. I've been writing for 13 or 14 years now. Um, many times uh, I would be stuck and, you know, trying to write something that I hope I could touch a nerve with and then yet not get fired. <laughs> and then the phone would ring and it would be Paul Newitt or Mike Ray, um, the two guys <laughs> that are on this podcast tonight. And in talking to them, I would be inspired to write something. Paul, sometimes I'd be right in the middle of writing the column and your call would come in and as like, like, what are you, psychic? I mean, what, what's going on? <laughs> and we would talk for a long time. Mike and I would, would always, you know, discuss what, what really needs to be said. And then, of course, Mike didn't want me to say anything that would jeopardize my role at the company. But you two guys have... Um, have inspired me during my writing in all these years and i have to thank you and paul um i can't tell you how many times i was so stuck and then i'd get some crazy email from you in the middle of the <laughs> night like, so it's good to know paul that um you know you have a counterpart here with mike ray and my friends here and and it's good to know that there are people still in the hobby who have so much passion that they just want the, to see the, the the keeper of the flame going and that's why i think we need to talk about a little bit about mike, what mike and i talk about is it's definitely different now um the mustang club of america and many of the um the old forum clubs a lot of the registries that were started say in the in the 80s and 90s are getting a little bit uh, older and the people that have been doing those clubs have been doing it for so long paul that they're exhausted and they don't see the young people coming in in the same capacity they want to do different things and i know mike uh, carries on something he calls the moxum summit every year to find the root causes of what are keeping people out and how can we bring them in and how can we make this hobby more inclusive and paul um i think beginning that you're on the west west coast we're looking for you to give us guidance when you come to detroit maybe we'll do a seminar and the, I think the same buttons that pushed you pushed your little flame for cars back then. I think we have to keep doing that more today. We, we're just not doing it with the products we have today. This, this is highly critical. Uh, quickly, one thing is the, the look. The Mustang is it's a boomer car. It started out as a boomer car because I Coca figured out that uh, the the boomers would reach. Uh, 18 or 21 by 1965, and it was perfect timing. Iacocca is a genius. I, I think that since it's a boomer car, it's now boomers are aging, and so how do we reconstruct this passion? The Mustang has an incredible passion, and it has a feeling that, in my opinion, no other car has. In, in uh, European um, styling, and the high performance of the 289 that they used um, in, in um, racing. Um, but anyway, um, I, I do think um, that we really need to, to, to check this out some more and talk about it some more because this is critical because we have uh, the whole electric car industry coming forward and we have to preserve the heritage of the uh, you know, uh, internal combustion Mustang. Yeah, I agree. Mike, Mike is challenged with, you know, a lot of people were not happy the pony being on the Maki. The Maki is a tremendous car, um, and other people believe that it could have stood on its own and gone up against the Tesla done done very well. Uh, yet still, others believe that Mustang is more than just attributes. It kind of defined the segment, and now the segment defines it. And as you, as I've talked to you, Paul, and you too, Mike, um, a guy like Hal Spurlick, whose brainchild was the pony car, um, he believes that 
Ford could still make a beautiful pony car, uh, whether it's electric or uh, whether it's uh, ice engined, that that has that look in 1964 that turned heads. He said you could take a make a body that looked like a baby Ford GT, and with EcoBoost or with battery power, it wouldn't matter. It was the look, the design, the style of Mustang, even as a two-door, even if it were a two-door hatch, that made young people say, gosh, look at that. I want that. And oh my God, here's the here's the here's the clunker right here. I can afford it. And that's why I think that uh, Mike can't have Mike can't have any Mavericks on his lot for twenty thousand dollars. It's a steal for an entry level price. If you get good design and good functionality, yeah, and you can sell yeah. for, and you can sell it for twenty grand. It's that's Mustang's magic right there. So I think exactly. we we owe, we owe a lot to the California Special for opening our eyes to design and what passion can bring. But I, I think uh, one day we'll come back and we'll have another podcast and talk about the challenge of the hobby that Mike's facing. And Mike, I don't know how you're doing it, but uh, we saw there are some clubs who are very successful at bringing younger members. And I think this weekend down at Ponies in the Smokies, you'll see that the young kids are coming out to these shows. Ponies in the Smokies is a good one. And obviously the number one young kid show is Mustang week. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is still some of them, but what you said too, John, is, and we realize this firsthand, is the young kids don't like to come and set their uh, chairs up and sit in a parking lot. They like to come, take a quick look around, get in their car, and then get back out. Yeah, driving their Mustang, Paul, and that's what you'd love to do up and down uh, the roads in California. It, it was the feeling of driving it. It wasn't sitting on a chair and polishing it so much. It was. Let me tell you a quick scenario. I met a sure. guy at a Cal Special from Canada. Named Bob, uh, not Bob Teeth. It was uh, Bob. Anyway, I can't remember. But anyway, we <clears throat> he met me down in San Diego at a car show. He had a white Cal Special, my maroon car, and we drove side by side uh, through San Diego. I had two thirty-inch glass packs on my uh, Cal Special. It sounded like a Chris Craft boat. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, it was awesome. And we went into a tunnel. I slammed it into second gear. We just echoed through that whole tunnel, came out the other side. There's the ocean, there's palm trees and everything. And another time I'm driving through Orange County with the windows down on a summer day and I'm going about 60, what pulls up next to me? Uh, this was like a 1983, um, a GT350 Shelby with a surfboard height on the top. <laughs> and we we drove side by side for a good 10 miles and gave each other thumbs up with the windows down on a hot summer day. And I tell you, it, that is the California spirit. Well, what's the song say? I wish they all could be California. <laughs> you know, I, I know Mike tries to do that with his 06 when he fires up and those illegal mufflers that are in his car. And he goes, wah, wah, you know, you, what the heck was oh, oh, Mike's leaving. But you know what, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the passion we have for our specialty Mustangs. And the one that started it all was the California special. And the guy that that really made that car come to life for all of us uh, is Paul knew it. Paul, we have wow. to thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for your contribution. To your book is fantastic. If you can afford to eight thousand dollars for an out of print copy, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, maybe someday it we'll get we'll get to hit the uh, we'll three D print it. Uh, <laughs> well, I by the way, big thanks to Mike and especially to you, John. You have such a big heart. You work so hard. You put a smile on everybody's face. You're the you're the voice. You're the person that people at car shows uh, see from Ford, 
uh, you are worth your weight in gold. Well, bless your soul for saying that. And that's why Mike Ray is going to have you next to me at a tent at Mustang Memories in Dearborn, Michigan, behind World Headquarters. Hopefully, Mike, next year. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, Paul Newitt. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll get you again, Paul, when we can talk more of this great Mustang hobby. Mike, um, maybe we'll get lucky and get that guy to hop on a plane and fly all the way out here and talk about this wonderful car culture that we know as the Mustang. Um, and thanks for your time as well tonight, Mike. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on another edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. Make sure you check out the long list of fantastic guests we have coming up to make sure that you stay connected and stay passionate about the hobby. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time down the road.